And good morning, Calvary. That's right. We have been very excited about uh, all that happened with VBS. People ask me how many kids come. I don't know. You try to count a bunch of moving people like that. I think we had around 350. That's our best guess at the time, but we don't ever know exactly um, because the same amount of kids don't come every single day. Does that make sense? So it's a little bit hard, but around 350. We're excited about that. I'm excited about this coming Friday, a Saturday, excuse me, is this coming Saturday's movie at the park. And we still need some people to help with some things. Um, It's going to be something that we do to help reach our community. And so if you'd like to come to that, it's at Cumberland Park. We'd like you to park at our church parking lot. We know we need some pop-up tents and stuff like that. And if you could see Trevor after the service, if you're willing to help out, we need some more help um, getting ready for that. And we do all of these things, the VBS... We do party at the park, movie at the park, whatever other events we do, because we want people to experience who Jesus is. I hope, by the way, happy Father's Day to the fathers in the room. Our hope is that whether you're a father or a mother or a single person or whatever your situation in life, you worship God. So we're doing a series called Upgrade. An upgrade is the idea of the temptation in life is to always look for the next upgrade so that we can find peace, so that we can find hope, that we can finally get to the place where we can go, ah. Don't we all like to go, ah. Let's all try that. Ready? One, two, three. Don't you feel better? Thank you. Thank you. You can leave now. No, I'm just kidding. Um, and so we started this series last week by reading First uh, Timothy 6. And I just want to read uh, the, the verbs were to teach and encourage, and there were some negative uh, things. But verse 6 and 7 says this, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and we could take nothing out. And we challenge you to realize that godliness with contentment is great gain. In other words, sometimes godliness may not always come with contentment. It's okay to not be okay, but we can't live our life like that. Remember that was the whole, uh, we can't live our life always going, oh, life's so hard. You know, that kind of thing. Because we have the joy of Christ in our life. And so what we're trying to understand is godliness with contentment is ultimately our benefit, our gain. It benefits not only us, but the church. It benefits all of our relationships. If you're a father, it benefits your children. It benefits your wife. It benefits your employers. It benefits everybody around you. Godliness with contentment is great gain. So how do we get content? We started um, the pilgrimage of this last week with this Monday morning application know why you want to upgrade. In other words, the temptation to upgrade will always be around you. So ask, why do you want to acquire something? Is it ultimately to worship God, to glorify God, or is it for your own self-gain? Then I want you to ask, how will you use it? And I wanted you to ask, to whom are you accountable? And I challenged you this last week to spend some time with your family or with yourself. Self, how you doing? Checking in on all these things and asking these questions. I hope you did that because that was part one. And today is part two of the same kind of series where we're really trying to understand how we come to a place in our life where we know what the priorities of our life should be so that we might have contentment. So whenever I say the word priority, this is the typical priority message. It looks something like this. I've actually preached this one before. This is nothing wrong with this. This This is absolutely true. Your priority should be in the following order. God first family second, work third, and everything else fourth. Your priorities in your life should be God first, ahead of your spouse, ahead of your kids, ahead of everybody else. God first. And then family second. 
then work third, and then everything else. If you have those as your priorities, you're going to be ahead of most people. And you'll help begin to have contentment there. But the problem is, this doesn't completely address how we make these our priorities. Because there's a lot of distractions in this world. Have you ever noticed that? There are a lot of distractions in this world. There are. Game on. Okay. And so, with the distractions in this world, we need to know how to set our priorities. I want to go back and read verses 6 through 7 that we just read. And I want to lead into verse 8, which will tell us how to come to a place where we know what our priority should be. It says this, But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world and we could take nothing out of it. Now, you ready? Verse 8, brace yourself. For if we have food and clothing, we will be content with these. I'm going to add one because we live in Indiana. It's really cold. If we have food and clothing and shelter, we will be content with these. Really? Is this all we really need to be happy? If you've ever been to a third world country on a mission trip or a business or vacation, One thing you'll notice about the third world countries is, I always hear this, everybody seems so happy. Why are they so happy? And why are Americans always so unhappy? Have you ever, have you ever, maybe you've never heard that reality, but if you go to a third world country, you'll, you'll notice that's an observation I make. People tend to be happy when they don't have distractions, when they don't have these things. And and I think part of it is we add to our life things that we think we have. So here's the point where I'm going to pause, and I'm going to ask you to put your seatbelt on. We're going to be a little bumpy ride for a moment, okay? And I want you to ask yourself, do we really need these things? I'm going to start with the obvious, cable or satellite TV. I got news for you. You don't actually need that. Is it okay to have? Sure, but you don't actually need it, okay? Kids, you don't actually need it. Some of you kids are like, no, no, I don't like how the sermon's going. Quick, mom and dad, run! You know, that kind of thing. Okay, here's one even more. Cell phone. You actually don't need a cell phone. I remember growing up, and before I left the house, my dad said, put a quarter in your pocket. Some of you are like, what does that mean? Some of you remember, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, when your dad told you to put a dime in your pocket. And the kids are like, what are you talking about? Well, if you ever get the chance to go to Epcot, you can go over to Epcot in the the English area. There's this exhibit. It looks like a phone booth, okay? And a phone booth was a place that that were all found all around the county and all around the towns. and And phone booths were all around grocery stores. And when you got stuck, you had to have a quarter and you would go and put the quarter in this pay phone, and then it allowed you to make one phone call to say, mom, dad, I'm stuck, please come. Or you had to be very creative with your collect calls, but that's another story. (laughs) Um, The cell phone is not actually a necessity, but we can feel like it is. Expensive clothes is not actually a necessity. Clothes are a necessity. By the way, I'm glad you're all wearing them. Thank you. Okay, so we, we understand those things, right? I'm going to go a little deeper now. A car is not actually a necessity. Say, yes, it is. I got to get from point A to point B. Well, there's this thing called bus stops. And somebody's like, I don't live anywhere near a bus station. There are things called trains and horses. I'm just kidding. There's things called bicycles and walking and Uber. You don't actually have to have a car. But we can convince ourselves we do. And what happens when we have a car is then we have to pay insurance, gas, and car payments and or find a way to pay for the car and the repairs. 
You don't have to have sports. You don't even have to have hobbies. You don't even have to have fashion. Now, I'm going to say something here, and I'm going to hide behind my iPad when I say this because I don't want anyone to throw anything at me, okay? You don't actually even have to have makeup. (laughs) You don't have to have promotions. You don't have to have a college education. Yes, you do. How am I going to get a job? Well, think about it. Why do you want the job? You want the job, the, the good job, so you can make more money, so that you can upgrade your life with more toys, because we think this is what life is about. You don't have to have popularity. You don't have to have friends. You need a couple friends, but not a lot. And I think what happens is we buy into this lie that if we fill our life with the most stuff, if we can fill our life in the pursuit of these things, and then what ends up happening is things go bad. This last week, our oven went out. And I'm like, oh no, the oven went out, the oven went out, the oven went out. What do we do? What do we do? What do we do? And we panicked for a little bit. We being Daniel Berry, not my wife. She was cool. <laughs> like, how are we going to eat? So this week we had to suffer using only the outdoor grill, crock pot, toaster oven. The stove still worked, so the stove still worked. Um, and the microwave and panini press. And we also discovered that you can actually eat sandwiches not heated up. Who knew that? <laughs> and if your mind is blown by that, guess, guess what? You can actually, I saw this, it's a YouTube, it's a thing. It's something like New Yorkers doing, or California, because they're the only ones crazy enough to do this. You can actually take your meal and put it in mason jars and put it in a dishwasher, and the heat of the dishwasher will cook your food. That's the craziest thing I've ever heard of. I'm not suggesting it, but it's a thing. So we were all worried because our oven, you don't have to have an oven. And what ends up happening is we end up chasing these things. We end up chasing these things because we feel like we have to have them in order to be content. Now, are these things bad? There's not a thing on that list that's bad. College education, I hope my kids get one. But if they don't, I hope they find what God asks them to do. I love watching Purdue sports. Boiler up, hammer down. If you're not a U fan, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, really, I'm sorry. <laughs> Send your angry emails to T. Oaks. But you don't have to have these things. And so maybe what we need is a perspective because I think sometimes these things, the pursuit of these things, the pursuit of trying, because when the oven breaks down, what we have to do is we have to go, oh no, how are we going to pay for that? And so then we go, I don't really want to pay for that because if I have to pay for the oven, then I may not be able to go take the kids to the swim pool later. Really? And sometimes we need to check ourselves. And check our motives before we wreck ourselves. I love that saying. So I want to just dive into a a way, a perspective, to make sure that we keep our priorities in line today. And I want to give credit to Matt Chandler and Trevin Wax, who both um, chased after some church fathers and historians who wrote things, and so therefore some of this comes from them, and there's my due, so I'm not a plagiarist. Fair enough? Good. I want us to ask ourselves, what are our instructions as human beings. And in doing so, I want us to look back at the original instructions found in Genesis 1. 
Now, I quote Genesis 1, 26 and 27 here all the time. That's the fact that you and I were made with dignity. We were made in the image of God. And after God made us, male and female, he made them in the image of God. He puts them down in the garden and gives them the following words. God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every creature that crawls on the earth. God also said, look, I've given you every seed-bearing plant on the surface of the entire earth and every tree whose fruit contains seed. This will be food for you. For all the wildlife of the earth, for every bird of the sky and every creature that crawls on the earth, everything having the breath of life in it, I've given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw all that he had made, and it was very good indeed. Evening came, and then the morning came, and then the sixth day. God blessed them. He put them. He made them in the image, and he gave them three basic instructions here, three original commands. And here's what they were. One, to create. Fulfill and fill the earth. This just doesn't mean with baby population, although as you can see by our VBS, this church does that really well. It means to fill, create, create artist work, to create rendering, to create an atmosphere, create, help the ground grow, create. Creation is a characteristic that is unique for humanity because we were made in the image of God and God is the ultimate creator. And God invites us to create things, to create work, to create life, to create with God's help all of these things. And it's a beautiful thing. The second thing he asks us to do is to cultivate. Right after Adam and Eve were in the garden, he said, hey, I want you to work in the garden. Cultivate. Watch after the animals. Take care of the earth. Go about doing your business. And the third thing he asks us to do is to consume. Every fruit, every tree, all the food in the earth was given to you. Now that's a wonderful thing. Create cultivate, and consume. And I would argue, as then those other people that I quoted earlier would argue, that every single breath that you take, you are doing one of those three things. You're either creating or cultivating or consuming. And when you create or cultivate or consume, you need to be aware of why you are doing it, because here's the reality. Somewhere along the line, we began to think that the ultimate goal was to see whoever can consume the most wins. The goal of life became about consuming. Problem, the goal of life is not to see who can consume the most. Now, God asked us to consume. That's a wonderful thing. But here's what it looks like, okay? What do most of us do? We wake up as little kids. We don't wake up. We're born as little kids. Thank you. I don't know what I'm doing. You're born as little kids. And then along the lines, you learn to what? Create and cultivate so that you can have a job. And we seem to have the idea that if you are having, having a job, you want to consume as much as possible because whoever can retire first with the most toys wins. So that the rest of your life, you can sit back and consume. In doing so, what we do is we say the ultimate end of life is your consumption. The problem isn't the consumption. The problem is your motivation for the consumption. Because whether you're creating or whether you're cultivating or whether you're consuming, the ultimate purpose and the ultimate reason that God asks us to do those three things is for the glory of his renown. 
So what is the purpose of consuming? The purpose of consuming, well, let's break it down like this. Why do you eat? I eat because food tastes good. <laughs> right. I love it. I had someone say to me, a kid say to me this week, he said this, I wish that God would allow us to eat as much as we ever could want without getting full or fat. The things kids tell pastors is amazing. And I'm like, me too, buddy, but money's a problem then. You know what I'm saying? It, the reality is that's our mentality is I want to consume. I want to take in. I want, I want to relax. I want to go to my sports game. I want to have the cable TV. I want to binge watch Netflix or Hulu or whatever you kids are doing these days. And we make it about us and that's the problem. Because the ultimate goal of life is it for your relaxation, your consumption, and for you to use the resources that God has given you for you? Why do we, why are we asked to consume? Why are you asked to eat? To restore your body. Why does God allow us to rest? To restore our body. Why are vacations okay? To restore our bodies. But somewhere along the lines, we forgot that consumption wasn't meant as an escape, but was meant for restoration. And when consumption of anything becomes the means to our escape, escape our problems, escape our worries, escape our troubles, escape life, whether that's addiction, whether that's a vacation, whether that's... Um, Netflix, whether that's whatever it may be, going to sports, whether it's fashion, whether it's uh, shopping, whether it's, I want to own the remote control, you know what I'm saying? I want to control, whatever it is, when it becomes about an escape from the world, we miss the point. God allows us to consume so that we might be restored, so we might can get back into the business of creating and cultivating worship to him. So what does that look like? Galatians 6, 4 through 9 says this. Let each person examine his own work. That's what I'm asking you to do. To think about the thoughts, to think about the moments, to think about everything that you do, your resources, your talents, your daydreams, your, everything about you. Think about and examine your own work, and then he can take pride in himself alone. Not comparing himself with someone else. Why? Because comparison is, well, keeping up with the Joneses. It's where it's going to lead you to the upgrade. It's going to lead you to the idea of, I've got to, I've got to, and you're never going to be at peace, for each person will have to carry his own load. Let the one who has taught the word share all his good things with the teacher. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a person sows, he will also reap. Because the one who sows to his flesh will reap destruction from the flesh. But the one who sows to the Spirit will reap eternal life from the Spirit. So what are you doing to create and to cultivate worship in your life? Where are you sowing the threads in your life of actually trying to grow in the power of the presence of God? Or are all your efforts sowing? And by the way, I was a little kid once, and I want to just make sure that we understand this. Unless you grew up in a farming family, kids, sowing here is not a needle and thread. Sowing is putting stuff in the ground, okay? Why? Because we watch it grow up. When things, we plant things in the ground like a flower, they grow up. 
We plant corn, it grows up into the big corn stalks. You see how you drive around and see all those big corn, the big green things real tall? I didn't know what they were. They're corn stalks, okay? They have corn in them. But we sow, someone has to put the seed in the ground so that they can grow up. Where are you sowing? Because here it says, if you sow into your flesh, your desires, your inclinations, your relaxation, your things, then what is going to happen is you will reap that, the destruction of your own flesh. So let's, let's unpack this. I come home from work. I've been sowing all day. I've been cultivating all day. I've been reaping all day. I've been going to work all day long and trying to invest in the lives of the other. It is time for Daniel Berry to consume. So I pull into my house and guess what I want to do? I have my mind turned off. I'm ready to relax. I've done my duty. I've done my job. And as I pull into my garage, I'm ready to consume, except there was a problem. There's three other people that live in the house that don't need a daddy to check out, but need someone to create and to cultivate. Jesus in their life. And so what can end up happening is I can look for an escape elsewhere and I can look for all these things. And so ask yourself this, when you're consuming something, why are you consuming it? Because you're consuming it for your own self to escape the world. It's going to lead to your own destruction. But if you consume something, go to a ball game to escape wrong reason. If you go to a ball game to restore so that you can come back ready to create and cultivate worship, Go for it. There's a distinct difference. Check your motives, your thoughts, your aspirations, your dreams, your reality. Check every single thing because every single breath you take, I believe you're either creating or cultivating or consuming. And all three are necessary in balance with each other. And balancing the home you live in, whether it's with roommates or by yourself or with a family of 42. By the way, if you have a family of 42 living in your house, let me know. We'll have a benevolence offering to help you. (laughs) Says the new dad. Um, The reality is what we have to do is understand that many of us have spent our life buying into the lie that consuming the wares of this world is when you win. It is not. In fact, it will lead to your destruction. It will lead you to constantly trying to upgrade. It will lead you to constantly trying to find the next thing to find you peace. You'll never have enough money in your bank account. You'll never have enough friends. You'll never have enough perfect relationship. Your kid will never get enough good grades. You'll never have a high enough degree. You'll never get enough promotions. You'll never be able to truly relax. And when you finally get to the place where you relax, you know what happens to a lot of times who people who've lived their life that way? The moment they retire, they pass away. And people go, that's so sad. Well, the reason is because they spent their whole life trying to upgrade. And when they finally get to where they can relax, they don't know what to do with themselves because they never learned. It's not about me. So here's what I would challenge you to do this week very clearly. Spend some time checking your motives and your priorities. In the three areas we talked about, And if you're doing 90% of your time is consuming, it's probably about you. If you're doing 90% of your time at your house consuming, it's about you. Now, I got some good news for you. We're all bad at this. 
Can I just be honest? How do I know we're all bad at this? We're in America. And I, I, I like America. America is not my God, but I have no problems with America. Whatever. I'm actually from Texas. I like that country too. Um, <laughs> um, but through this all, what you have to understand is this is a temptation. All. So just like I want you to understand we will not get where we need to be, the, the good news is if we all sit here and goes, guess what? I'm going to do this. I'm going to buy it. All my priorities are going to be straight. I'm going to go out and I'm never going to think about myself again. I'm, I'm going to be the perfect husband. I'm going to be the perfect spouse. I'm going to be the perfect girlfriend or boyfriend. I'm going to be, you know, the best friend in the world, the best employee in the world. And my life is going to be spent about cultivating and creating the image of God into the lives of others. And I'm only going to consume for the purpose of restoration. And I will never, I'm ending my Netflix account today. Wait, there's that really good show I have to watch two more episodes of, right? And then by 3 o'clock this afternoon, you're going to do what Matt Chandler calls the New Year's Day flop, which is New Year's Day where you go, I, 2018 is the year I'm going to get in shape. How's that going for you? (laughs) Somebody said pretty good. (laughs) Well, good, I'm glad. Most of us are not succeeding. (laughs) It's so what... I would encourage you to do is to take it one day at a time. So here's our Monday morning application. Be intentional with your time. Create something new in your life this week, pointing to Christ. Not everything. Create something new in your life. And for some of you, the creating new might be turning off cable TV. Some of the kids are saying, please, mom and dad, don't let that be ours, right? For some of you, creating something new might be, I'm going to try to sow God's word in my life, and I haven't done devotions, I haven't opened my Bible, so I'm going to start reading my Bible every day for 15 minutes and trying to find an application. For some of you who are audible learners, because I'm an audible learner, I always hated it when people told me you have to read, 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 read. I listen better. I learn better through listening. I listen to podcasts, and that has changed my life, making myself listen to podcasts. So when I go walking, if I listen to a podcast, some of you in my neighborhood, you see me walking all the time. When I go walking, I can do it for two reasons. I can use it as an escape because my family is driving me nuts at the moment. I don't like to admit it, but it's true. Or I can do it for the purpose of restoration. And when I walk, I pray and listen to a powerful message where it brings me back into the place when I walk back into my home. Or maybe you need to do what Matt Chandler does. And I started doing this. This is Daniel Barry's step for the last week. When I pull my car into the garage, and yes, I still have a car, and the garage door goes down, I am usually capped out why I'm a minister. And the temptation for Daniel is to walk into his house and say, I got nothing left. So when I pull into my house, here's what Daniel is sowing a seed into creating a new cultivation pattern in my life. I'm walking in the door every every time I, before I walk in the door in the garage, I'm saying this prayer. God, restore me because my family needs me tonight. Make my night not about me, but about them. What would it look like if the fathers in the room did that? What would it look like if the mothers in the room did that? What would it look like if the church did that? So would you pick one thing and then start the pattern of adding one more thing? Learning that you can't conquer Rome in a day. That's an expression. Colloquialism, right? 
but we're going to take one step drawing closer to the presence of God every week. And then cultivate a relationship. Cultivate that friendship. Cultivate your relationship with your spouse. If you don't pray with your spouse, pray with your spouse. That's the best one I know to do. Pray, because the couples that pray together stay together. Fact. Pray. Maybe it's go find that person in your life you need to talk with and, and just share a lot. Point them to Jesus. Cultivate that relationship, drawing them. And then be mindful of why you consume. It's okay to consume. It's okay to watch Netflix. Maybe not for 42 hours straight. Be careful what you watch because what you consume matters. But when you consume something, do it for the point of restoring your life, not as an escape. Be mindful why you consume. Ultimately, bring you back to the place where you find peace. Because if we don't sow into what Jesus asked us to do, if we don't reap that, um, then we will never reap it. So here's what I would challenge us to do. Sow, cultivating and creating a new pattern of your life, consuming for the point of getting back so that we might worship him every moment of every day. Now here's the cool part, all right? Jesus in the upper room used the simple thing, bread. What's the significance of bread? Well, what did the disciples do when they took the bread? They consumed it. To remind us that in everything that we're about, it's about worshiping him. So he took the bread and he broke it and he said, when you take this, when you consume this, even in this consumption of the basic necessities of life, be reminded that my body was broken for you. Be restored. For the restoration of who you are. When you take the cup, I want you to be reminded that when you drink, I want you to be reminded that my blood was poured out for you and take this in so that you might be restored. Why? Because you were made to worship. You weren't made to escape. You were made to worship. And so this morning, as we observe communion, common unity, or as we sometimes call it, the Lord's Supper, we invite you, if you have a relationship with Jesus, to come into his presence and allow him to restore you, to repent, if necessary, of making your life about you, to come to the place where you're willing to say, God, at this altar, I lay myself down and I ask that you restore me so that I might live my life as a worshiper for you. If you don't understand what that means, we believe that Jesus died on the cross so that you might be restored into dignity, that God looked down in this world and made you to be in a relationship with him. And that Jesus died on the cross, and the Bible says if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead, then you can be saved. We'd love to tell you more about that. So at the end of the service, would you go by the Next Step space and just tell us about it? You can drop off the Next Steps card out there, and, and we'd love to talk to you about that. But as we come into the presence of God right now, here's what we want, once again, just to be very clear, communicating clearly. Realize why you do what you do. And if it isn't about worshiping God, it's time to upgrade into worship and downgrade the rest of this world. Creating worship, cultivating worship, consuming more of Him so that we might go back to creating and cultivating worship. Would you do that? Deacons, would you go to your place? Father, I thank you for this time and this moment where we can come before you and worship you. God, in this moment, we ask for restoration of marriages. We ask for restorations of broken hearts. We ask for restoration from addictions. We ask for restorations from the escape that we we're tempted to. We ask that we would lay our idols down. We ask that we would no longer need to escape this world. But God, that we would be restored into your presence. God, make it clear what our next steps are 
as the power of your Holy Spirit works in individual lives for those who have a relationship with you, would you be very clear and would you work very clear telling us this is what the next step is for me? And then give us the motivation to chase in that direction so that we might be drawn into your presence. And God, this moment as we break this bread, we are thankful for the sacrifice of what Jesus did on the cross for us. Thank you for dying to remind us that life isn't about anyone other than you. May we come to that, this altar this morning. In your name we pray. Amen.